It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. I'm Jordan here with Jenna and Taylor, and we're trying as hard as we can to wrap our minds around the terrible weekend that the Penguins had. It was so bad. I have a hard time believing it. So it started on Saturday with an abysmal performance in Ottawa, and it was capped off by an even worse performance somehow (laughs) in Washington. And there was a terrible Steelers game in there in between. It was just a beautiful Pittsburgh misery sandwich. So let's just kind of get this out of the way. I I don't even know where to start because it was so bad. It was just so, so bad. What is, okay, so let's start with Taylor. In your, in your eyes, what was the biggest issue with the team spanning across those two games? What in the world was going on with them? I mean, they just looked sloppy and, and disjointed. I mean, the Senators are, are bad, but that wasn't even really the Senators because they have how mm. they had how many guys on the COVID list? That was like the Belleville Senators, like their age affiliate <laughs> for the most part. Um, but yeah, just the the one in Washington was the worst loss of the season, like their worst margin, uh, six to one. Um, it it just seemed like from start to finish, they were just completely outplayed. And part of that was Mm -hmm. that, you know, they have so many guys coming back from COVID um, in and out because what Pedersen and Ruedel didn't go to Ottawa. They couldn't because of the the border Mm -hmm. that they did come back in Washington. Crosby and Dumoulin came back against Washington, maybe not quite ready. I mean, they felt okay to play. Uh, That's why they were in, but Watching the game, Crosby didn't look that great against Washington. Dumoulin mm-hmm. looked pretty bad against Washington. Some of it was, you know, bad decisions like his turnover that led to the the third goal. But he did look very slow. And then even when he talked after the game, uh, Dumoulin he only talked for maybe three four minutes. And when he when he came out when he started talking, he sounded all right. But by the end of like the three four minutes, he sounded you know wiped out, winded. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it affects different guys. He was symptomatic. Crosby was symptomatic. So, um, and they jumped yeah. right back in without having a full practice. So that was not easy. Dumoulin said that was a real challenge, but he said, you know, it was a back-to-back. Everyone had it kind of tough. Um, so, yeah, I, again, with those two, they're going to get better as they play more games. And they actually had a full practice for the first time on Wednesdays and it's coming back. Yeah. Um, 
So not too worried about those guys finding their games that they have time, but just everything else looks sloppy, disjointed. Power mm-hmm. play was terrible over the weekend. Um, there's, it's, you can't narrow it down to one thing because a lot went wrong. It was so bad. And I, I saw your tweet last night about how they, oh my goodness, what was it? They were over 20. 728 on the power play. Uh, God, that's bad. Oh my word. Jenna, what, when you look at the Penguins power play, why, why they have so much talent. Why are they so terrible at converting on the man advantage? Yeah. You really wonder kind of what's going into all of this. And you do wonder with, you know, all the guys coming back from COVID, how much fatigue they really have, how much that's playing a factor just because of the fact that, you know, to any normal person coming back after COVID isn't anything, but it's asking a player to get back onto the ice Mm. and play the minutes that we see Sid and Dumoulin play kind of consistently. I think it's just also, and you can't sit here and make excuses, obviously, but like this team has been so disjointed from the start of this season. They, we Mm -hmm. haven't seen this team, what they're capable of. Obviously you start without Sid and Malkin, and then you seem like every couple days it's, Oh, this guy's on the COVID list. This guy's on the COVID list. This guy's on the COVID list. This guy's coming back from the COVID list. Where is he fitting into things? There's so much shuffling. There's so much moving around. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to kind of lean on that and say that it's just a huge lack of consistency. But with what Taylor was saying, too, I mean, just the sloppy play. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. we heard them talk after Tuesday's game against the Sabres where, what, did they outshoot Buffalo 20 to 3 in the third period? Yeah, it was unreal. He stand on his his Mm -hmm. head and then some. I don't even think, like, what's bigger than standing on your head, standing on your eyeball? Like, I don't (laughs) (laughs) know. But they, whatever it was, he did that. They made him do mm-hmm. that and we hear from the guys after the game it's like we need to play the full 60 minutes that way that's the answer there that mm-hmm. is what they need they need that sense of urgency I think you kind of s- didn't see that sense of urgency in Ottawa and then you go into Washington where the Caps are clearly a very solid team even with some of the players and pieces they're missing due to COVID due to injury but to give up two, 12 goals in two mm. games, let alone back-to-back games, yes, it was two different goalies, but also it's like yeah. there seems like there's issues. And maybe it was just me too, but looking back at at least the two games over the weekend, not as much in the Sabres game because they didn't do this, but they're giving up back-to-back goals too mm-hmm. quickly. There was two in Ottawa that I think <laughs> were within a minute of each other. And same thing with Washington. You know, I am, you know, doing a couple other things when we were working the Steelers game and looking and it's like, Oh, you know, they just <laughs> gave up a goal. And then it's like, Oh wait, they just gave up another goal kind of thing that the inconsistency there. It's like, okay, stop the bleeding immediately. Mm-hmm. You have to do that. You got to find a way. It really does feel like in those moments, because it happens so frequently and it's happened, I feel like an abnormally high amount since the 2019 playoffs when we got swept by the Islanders. It just, it feels like this team has a really hard time of taking back control of the game. And I don't know what that would be attributed to, but it just seems like, Across the ice, they're not playing smarter than their opponents and they're not playing more aggressive than their opponents. And they they take all of these ticky-tacky shots from almost out by the blue line. Like, I, I noticed that last night so much. They were trying to force these shots 
And there, there wasn't even any traffic in front of the net to block the goalie's line of vision. Like they were just shooting it straight into his chest. And granted, the the last 15 minutes of the game, after after that Mike Matheson hit, it felt like a completely different team. They really did start to kind of steamroll Buffalo, but they just weren't converting on the chances. And there were some wacky calls and penalties there towards the end that just didn't quite make sense. But if you're only going to play that way for 15 minutes of a game, you can expect a loss. And that's honestly to Karski, like that's its own thing. The way that goalies just show up and play like Bezina candidates anytime they play the Penguins. I don't know what it is. It's just magic juice that's in our ice that is like, <laughs> oh, gotta go. It's the Penguins. <laughs> but I, it's, I'm not concerned, but it is just, it's questionable. Like, and you do wonder how much of the line shuffling and COVID and injury stuff plays a factor because it's not like we're without talent. And I, I feel like if, if the Penguins can take that final 15 minutes of the game last night and start to build on it, and I said this on Twitter today, if they're a good team, they will. And I think that they have the capability to be a good team. But if they can take that and use it as a building block moving forward, knowing that they're going to be getting Evgeny Malkin back in the next month or two, it's definitely – comforting to know that they're capable of playing that way. It's just the the lack of quality chances because they're doing whatever the heck it is they're doing. Like that, like you said, we were talking about this before we started recording that the one lone power play goal that we got wasn't even technically mm-hmm. on a shot because it bounced off Jake Gensel's skate. And like, yes, get guys in front of the net, create, traffic in front of the goalie and good stuff happens. But at the same time, it's like, you didn't mean to do that. So what are you doing? And so I guess, do you think that that's enough? Taylor, we'll start with you. Do you think that's enough for the Penguins to turn around their power play or at least start maybe pivoting in the right direction? So after Wednesday's practice, you know, Russ was asked about that goal, and he said, you know, that is a really skilled play by by Gensel. Like, because of it, Gensel, he did see it coming and angle his foot, so it's mm. not like he was like – but still, like, that's not the prettiest of goals. Like, that's not yeah. what you expect to see from the power play um, with, with, you know, these kinds of guys on it. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say because, I mean, Gensel, he talked, it was after the game in Washington, and he's like, you know, we just need one. We just need, you know, one mm-hmm. tip-in rebound to go our way. And then, you know, it's like kind of hopefully the floodgates will open for them because yeah. what happens is sometimes – I asked Sullivan before that game of, like, you know, like what he saw of the power play, and he said, you know, sometimes when it's been this long without – a goal guy just start gripping their sticks tighter. They're trying doing too much. They're not keeping it simple and mm-hmm. not having a shoot first mentality because they're trying to make the nice pass or, the, you know, the pretty play. Um, so I think maybe just, you know, like mentally, how, even though that wasn't a great goal, like just having that goal and ending the, the yeah. streak at 28 scoreless power play opportunities, um, you know, just mentally maybe – if guys were gripping their sticks tighter and, you know, it was getting their heads, maybe mm-hmm. that'll go away. I don't know. It, it could always get worse. Wilkes-Barre, uh, they have not <laughs> scored in their last 36 power play opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. 
So Pittsburgh at the bottom of the NHL, it was like 8.5 or 6%. Wilkes-Barre, bottom of the AHL, it was like maybe 9%. They lead the goals in shorthanded goals allowed. And then all the way down, the, like what Wheeling? Wheeling is, is next from, from last in the East AHL on the power play at like 10%. So I so don't know what that means. Well, yeah. It, it's like I love that solidarity Wilkes-Barre like holding out <laughs> on the scoring, like waiting until Pittsburgh scored, then so they would so they didn't feel bad. No, yeah. but it's like again, even Wilkes-Barre, like they have the talent, like Pustin and Zahorna, Pula and Lake like it should this should not be happening. Um yeah. so I don't know if maybe that's something where given that it's happening all the way down the system and they try to play down yeah. the system the same way, that there's something bigger there at mm. play other than just, you know, getting in their heads. But um at least for now. Uh, yeah, hope that maybe this gets a goal, even though it's not um, a pretty goal, just helps them mentally moving forward. Yeah, Jenna, what's one thing you want to see the Penguins' power play improve upon moving forward? Maybe even just in the next handful of games. Well, I just think you can't make the sloppy turnover, the sloppy mistakes. Because mm. how many shorthanded goals have we seen up to this point? It's been at least too many. Two- <laughs> Two or three. Yeah. yeah. The one the one in Washington, uh, not great. Bad. Yeah. But like recently, again, you see them yeah. recently. It's like and I feel like we saw there's been a couple games that I've really, really paid attention to where you see that type of thing where it's just, you know, it's sometimes it's an unlucky bounce. And that happens that mm-hmm. always is in the game of hockey. But when it's, you know, a mistake that's, you know, a pass that's too high that gets out of the zone or even just having to re-enter the zone and having to reset up and not really be able to generate the momentum and start working things around to get into the power mm-hmm. play. Again, I feel like it goes back to consistency a little bit, but it really is just, you know, keeping it simple. I know we hear that all the time. Phil Bork always loves to say, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. And that's what <laughs> they need to do. That's exactly mm-hmm. the mentality they need to have. It's like, don't try and be cute. Don't try and be fancy. Yeah. Because like Taylor was saying, also like what Sullivan said, you know, then you grip your stick too tight. Then it's, oh, we have to do this. We have to do this. Like there's so much Mm -hmm. pressure on it where it's like, no, go back to the fundamentals, go back to the basics, go back to what works and what does well. And I think it'll also help too that, you know, this road trip that they're on right now, they'll really be able to kind of hone in on some of those things, Mm -hmm. you know, how dire points are. I mean, it's crazy. It's, you know, November 17th. And I mean, not to freak out and look at the standings in that way, but Carolina's 10 points up 10 points. Mm -hmm. It hurts. It definitely hurts, but it's not, it's not too late. No, if they can start to take control of their own fate. And that's what we're going to be seeing over the next several weeks, because we, we know that December, January, that's when teams who tend to win the Stanley cup start to find their rhythm and their groove. And I'm not, not trying to imply that I think the Penguins are going to win the Stanley Cup. I very far from it, but I mean St. Louis when they when they were at the bottom, mm-hmm. they turned it around. What they I think yeah. they need a, a practice fight. Someone needs to drop the gloves. Yeah, um, get into it. Maybe when Malkin comes back, Malkin's, Malkin's done it before. Someone needs to play Bring the role that fire. Craig yeah. Adams. Um, <laughs> but, so literally anything, anything that will get just the spark, the energy going. Sullivan said he told the team they need to bring two things to Montreal, um, swagger and urgency. So that's it. I'd love to see both. They get to Montreal, unpack the bags. Oh my God, we forgot the equipment. Pull out that swagger. 
the Clinton bag are just full of swagger. <laughs> no sticks, <laughs> just urgency and some swagger. All right, well, let's t- let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And we're back. So the entire world of Pittsburgh received news yesterday that was rather alarming. I saw it on Twitter first, and then more and more sources started writing about it and covering it. But it's looking like the Pittsburgh Penguins will be falling under new ownership probably sooner rather than later. So it's the, what is the actual title the Fenway? Fenway Sports Group. Um, So they own, yeah, they own uh, the Red Sox. They own a couple things. Red Sox, um, Liverpool FC, the English Premier League, um, a big soccer team if you're into soccer. Um, they own the stadiums for both teams. They own part of an Ascar team. They own um, part of the Red Sox AAA team. They own their single-A team. Um, and then 80% of Nesson, the uh, sports broadcasting network up there, the New England Sports Network, they cover the Bruins mm-hmm. teams and all that. Um, yeah, John Henry is the, the main guy. He owns 40% of that. Um, but, I mean, the other – people who are involved in Fenway Sports Group, there is there is a local tie. Um, so it's not just, you know, Boston people trying to come in and buy the Penguins. Um, Larry Lucchino, who is who's a Pittsburgh native. Um, there are other, you know, uh, billionaires involved, but then also like LeBron James is involved in Fenway Sports Group. And then um, wild. His, his business manager, Maverick Carter. So um, they approached uh, the Penguins. It's not like the Penguins were for sale. I, I When this came out, I had people tweeting at me angry like how come we didn't know the penguins were for sale it's not <laughs> it's not like a house it doesn't go up on zillow like it's, it's they approached the penguins and had an offer it sounds like it's gonna be um 900 million so almost a billion dollars um and i guess when you know 
a group like this approaches to get that kind of offer, then like suddenly the penguins are for sale. It's like maybe your house yeah. isn't for sale right now, but if someone comes up and be like, I'll give you nine hundred million dollars for your house, okay, your house is for sale. But <laughs> that's what it's sounding like it's gonna happen. Um it's uh unclear whether or not um Burkle will stay involved. Initially it sounded like he would be out. Uh the latest uh reporting from Dayan. Uh, sounds like maybe he's unsure right now. Um, but Mario Lemieux would be involved in some way in, in minority um, stakes, so he wouldn't be completely out. But uh, I mean, crazy, crazy news. Sure is. I definitely wasn't expecting to see that anytime soon, if ever. I just I had this idea that it was like a family business where you just literally never get rid of it and that's not how sports work at all it's not like a mom and pop (laughs) pizza shop it's not the same even a little bit but it is interesting and so I'm I'm a layman and I don't understand sports business or business in general so can let's talk a little bit about what that means for the actual franchise itself so Mario is probably going to stay on as minority shareholder but I know that at least whenever I started talking to my family about it, saying, this is a thing, what is happening? The, the question that everybody asked me, like I know anything, is are they staying in Pittsburgh? Yeah. And so that's <laughs> let's at least address that. Is it even remotely possible that the Penguins are leaving Pittsburgh? No, no, no. There, there is a rule um, in the NHL that when new ownership comes in, they can't move a team for seven years. So, and the Penguins have a lease at PPG through what is it, twenty forty? So yeah, that's not. Okay. Yeah, they're not. There's a couple of reasons why it's absolutely not happening. Um, even Wilkesbury, someone asked me about because Virgil and Lemieux own Wilk, like Wilkesbury Scranton too. They even have like a lease through like twenty twenty or I mean not twenty twenty thirty. Um, okay. So even them not uh, not going anywhere. So it would really just be new new bosses. Mm-mm. And That's from what Dan was reporting, obviously Taylor, you you know we're kind of in 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 the middle of that in that way. <laughs> um, and when we were talking to him, because you know everything was just breaking news and it was insane. But it was basically <laughs> from what he's learned, it's you know it seems like not a whole lot is going to be changing. Yes, there's going to be new upper management, you know, but Lemieux mm-hmm. will still be there. He still reportedly is going to be involved in you know the hockey side of things as he currently is and the way in which he is. And Mm -hmm. this is a company, I I think a lot of people were kind of like not glossing over this, but this is a company that took over for, you know, when they have, when they got the Red Sox, when they got Liverpool and the Red Sox have won four World Series titles since this company took ownership. Mm -hmm. Liverpool has won a Premier League title, which is like one of the hardest things to do (laughs) uh, for the, you know, non, uh, non soccer people would, but like, that's also soccer. It's just, it's a lot, but it's also (laughs) things. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, Premier League is wild too. That's, we could go on a whole other. Um, But it also kind of from people I've been talking to um, Fenway sports groups really involved with a lot of real estate companies. And there's a lot of talks Mm. about wanting to develop a lot of real estate. If this sale does go through, which it reportedly seems like it's going to a lot of real estate in and around Pittsburgh. Um, I've been hearing things kind of, you know, 
in certain and other certain areas um, wanting to add more. Obviously, with what the Penguins are doing with the Hill District right now, that seems mm. like it's going to be something that um, they will continue to do as well. So, I mean, just kind of like an outside perspective, looking in type thing, this seems like on the surface, at least there's a very, there's a lot of positives kind of coming out of this. It doesn't seem as drastic as what a lot of people made it out to be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when I saw it, I started panicking, not be, not even because I thought the penguins were leaving, but just because I was like, this seems sudden. I don't like change. I hate this. Please stop. Make it stop. <laughs> and then the more news that came out about it, it it seemed like an like it's only a good thing. And I I my goodness, the amount of money that this this Fenway Sports Group has, I, I can't even wrap my mind around it. I they have a lot of money. And obviously that doesn't circumvent the NHL salary cap, but it kind of piggybacking off of them potentially investing in the city of Pittsburgh, the Hill district, all the stuff that the penguins are already doing in the city. What does that financial side of things mean for the penguins moving forward? I think, uh, well, first off, I mean, if you look at just what the value of this team has turned into since Lemieux and Burkle bought it, because Mm -hmm. I mean, Burkle's initial investment was $22 million. And then Mario, Mario didn't put money into it. Mario as a player was owed $32 million from previous ownership. And they're like, just, just take it out of the team. Like that's how, that's how Mario became owner. So for them to turn that into now a, a 900 billion, not, not billion, million dollar sale <laughs> they were talking about, um, that's huge. But yeah, just that kind of money and this kind of, uh, I mean, the Red Sox and Liverpool are, big brands too it's not just that they've had a lot of success but they're big brands so you know aside from what they can do for like you know like the city and developing the city but just what they could do for pittsburgh i what dayan said is that they were looking to acquire so they own a soccer team they own a baseball team they were looking to acquire an iconic hockey team and an iconic basketball team uh, not sure what that basketball team would be i honestly don't know a whole lot about the nba so i don't know who yeah. Uh, would be for sale but um so yeah they were looking for a big kind of Mm. brand like this so they can grow so uh just as far as like the money that they can put behind marketing and i don't know uh like they have nesson uh in boston so i don't know if anything like that could end up coming um you know where like maybe they can build a new uh network here we're we're thinking way far ahead but Mm -hmm. just uh that kind of power and what we seen what they did you know, at least some boss and um, gives, I think, fans yeah. reasons to be excited. Yeah. And this too, I mean, there's the potential for so much here too. I was kind of like, you know, when hockey Twitter was exploding about this yesterday and stuff like that, people were kind of like bringing up a point that what happens if this also brings women's professional hockey? Mm. To Which, that would be I mean, amazing. The commissioner. Uh, so like the, the, NWHL rebranded to the Premier Hockey Federation. The commissioner of that league is um, uh, mm, her husband, GM of the Pirates. So, like, I don't know if she lives here, um, but there is like a tie. So, I would, I would, I would love to see uh, a women's team come here because when Mm -hmm. when when it was the NWHL, um, they did come here for neutral site games and it was always sold out. They came here more than they came to any other city. Mm -hmm. 
Well, they had that, uh, it was two seasons ago, the U.S. and Canada came here for a joint training camp and, like, two kind of friendly games. Um, yeah. Massive mm. success. So, uh, yeah, building up, like, youth hockey, because, like, girls hockey is growing, and that's kind of why this is such a good market for that, but, like, just building up the youth program. The Penguins have all, already done a whole lot with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind of community outreach things, like the Willie O'Ree Academy. So, yeah, um, just having, like, a bigger group behind that I think would be good. Amazing. And honestly, just the fact that, so you're, you're honestly cluing me in to a lot of, (laughs) a lot of holes that I had in my knowledge, the gaps there, but the, the fact that Fenway sports group wanted to acquire an iconic hockey team when there are teams like, I don't know, the Rangers and even like the, the Blackhawks, which they have their own shit whatever but the like the yeah the original teams (laughs) of the league and even like the Bruins who are in the city where they reside and they chose to to ask about the Penguins and pursue that that says a lot about what Mario Lemieux has been able to do with the franchise and the importance not only of the the team in the league, but what the team means to Pittsburgh. I just, I think that that's really cool. And it makes me love the team. makes me love them even more, honestly. Yeah, that makes me happy, but I feel a lot better about it after getting that information. And I think that it, when, when are we going to hear like what the definitive resolution is? It sounds like it could happen within the week. Uh, I mean, that's if it goes through. It could it could fall through. We don't know. Um, yeah, that's but true. It, if it goes through, it sounds like it could happen as uh, early as this week. At Wednesday's practice, um, Sullivan players were asked about it. They didn't know it was cu- like they found about it, out about it when we did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not something that you know they've been made aware of before this. Um, they really didn't have any opinions on it. They said, cause I guess they were told that, you know, like we said, things really wouldn't change like Morehouse, all yeah. those executives would be sticking around. So day to day stuff really wouldn't change. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what they were told. Um, but yeah, it mm-hmm. sounds like it could happen uh, within the week. I don't know. When are, when are we going to meet LeBron? Do you think? <laughs> do you think- uh, hopefully <laughs> as soon as possible. LeBron, <laughs> if you're listening, you can come on. We would love to talk <laughs> about. Give us the inside goal. scoop, please. Yeah. Cosby going to be in Space Jam 3, do you think? <laughs> oh my goodness. He better be. <laughs> don't yeah. make the sale if that's not part of it. Yeah. Oh my God. We were at the game Tuesday and like they took the, we the first like two weeks of the season, we had cookies in the press box and like they're gone now. Like we we got cheeses and stuff up there, but like the cookies are gone. And like Tuesday, we're like, guys, do you think like LeBron's gonna bring back the cookies? <laughs> like, this is what you I care about. Here are what our kind requests. of cookies? I, you know, you go to the gas station. The brand is called like Grandma's Cookies or whatever. They're like the real. They had like the prepackaged ones. We have those in the press box. Like I'm like those taking like two so packs. Those are so good. Yeah. So uh, LeBron, bring us back the cookies. Um, Space Jam 3, Steve Crosby wants to get in on that, but (laughs) I don't know. Seems like only good things can come from this. Absolutely, yes. The world is our oyster. Let's take another quick break. We'll be right back. (music) 
we're back. So last night, the Peng, well, two nights ago, Tuesday, the Penguins hosted the second annual joint Pride Night with the Buffalo Sabres, and they were it was it was a really cool night. Uh, and I know that last season their their first joint Pride Night wasn't there. There wasn't anybody there, correct? Because of the COVID protocol, it was in Buffalo. Um, yeah, yeah. There was and like five hundred people. It was like one of those okay. very limited attendance, very games. lightly yeah. attended. Yeah, so it was the first full capacity pride night, but it was, it was a really cool event. Just seeing the, the diversity of hockey fans represented there. I attended the game and I know Taylor was there as well, but there, there was a lot that the penguins did and are still doing to support different causes for the LGBTQ plus community, just to, to create a space and an environment where they know that they belong in the sport of hockey. And I know that we, we were kind of talking in between the segments about the, the, the different organizations that the Penguins were supporting. Taylor, do you have that list pulled up? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, uh, they're, they're doing like, you can donate money, um, through the website, but they're also doing the auction of the mm-hmm. warm-up jerseys with, which had, um, uh, you know, like the progress pride flag on the shoulder and uh, the numbers. Uh, the the sabers also had you know mm-hmm. warm ups, and then everyone wore pride tape on their sticks during warm ups. So sticks are being auctioned. The name plates from a whole there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's like art, like there's like gift bags and stuff like that. Warm up pucks. So a lot of stuff being auctioned. Going to raise a lot of money. Um, Penguins and Sabers because it is like a joint pride night. Mm-hmm. They, they have different organizations. I think each team picks three. Um, the Penguins, the first one is You Can Play, which is the organization that uh, their goal is to eradicate homophobia in sports. But it was founded by Brian and Patrick Burke. Um, so that's mm-hmm. why, I, you know, that's that's a big – the NHL and other teams around the league, you see uh, a lot of teams supporting that. But, yeah, the Penguins shows up because that's, that's Brian Burke's organization. Right. Um, and then uh, Proud Haven, which is a shelter for LGBTQ plus homeless youth in Pittsburgh. I think the stat was – 40% of homeless youth um, are LGBTQ+. Mm. Um, and then the I think it's PERSAD Center uh, is how it's pronounced. It's just a human service organization that aims to improve LGBTQ plus communities in uh, Western Pennsylvania. So uh, a couple of local organizations and then the Sabres have some um, throughout New York that they're, that they're supporting. Incredible. It was an awesome night. And <laughs> I, I love those warm-up jerseys. I think they're so clean and so cool looking and uh yeah if you have any interest whatsoever is the auction still going to be live thursday when is that closing yeah it uh it, a full week from tuesday um oh perfect so yeah you okay. have uh yeah long time yeah and okay great is, so yeah go ahead jenna i would say this is just something that's super near and dear to brian burke's heart because mm-hmm. One of his sons um, had come out as gay and was, you know, it was a big public thing. It happened, I believe it was ESPN did something mm. like years ago when it happened. Tragically, he ended up passing away in a car accident. But, mm. you know, Burke and his son, one of his other sons, Patrick, started this foundation. You know, I, when I talked to him last year ahead of the game and he said, you know, we don't care. You can be whatever you are, whatever you want, whatever you feel we just want you to feel comfortable and play. And he said, you know, if you look at the numbers, I think, I believe, I, I don't want to say it incorrectly, so I'm not going to say the exact number, but I believe he said, if you just look at the percentage 
of the population that is LGBTQ+. He goes, there is going to be someone, there's somebody in hockey just statistically mm-hmm. that is gay and hasn't come out yet. And Burke has been so public about saying, you know, I, I want them to be on my team. I hope that, you know, the first player who comes out as gay in the national hockey league, he's like, I hope they're on my team because I want them to feel comfortable. And that's really kind of what these whole nights are about. I think so many people tend to ask, you know, what's the reason behind this? You know, Mm -hmm. okay, it's an auction. It's this, but when I talked to Burke last year, I think he just made such a poignant point about it. He said, you know, it's a way to start conversation, you know, because Mm -hmm. you have a dad taking his, you know, eight-year-old son to a pride game. And his son asks the dad, you know, Hey, what, why are we doing this? What, why are that? what's happening here? Mm-hmm. And it's a way for, you know, the dad or the mom or the whoever to have a conversation with the kid and say, you know, this is what this is. And also to show that, you know, Hey, we accept you. If this is who you are, we are going to accept you. It's okay to come out to us. And that was, I think that's just such a big thing and such an awesome thing. I mean, everybody, you know, whenever there's a conversation about this, people's kind of joke, you know, if you looked at Brian Burke, you, you know, he's this big, intense, you know, grizzly guy. And, you know, he's so outspoken about this. It's such a big cause Mm -hmm. that he's so in support of that, you know, it's awesome to see, you know, he was marching in the pride parade in Pittsburgh this summer. It was just, you know, those little things like that, I think go such a long way. Absolutely. And, Especially because there is this, uh, oh my goodness, I'm trying to think of the word, this kind of a cloud of a mentality over especially the NHL where they, in a lot of ways, are living 20 years ago and they're trying to make this sport tougher and more for men or whatever that even means. And I think that having a guy like Brian Burke who is who – is known for favoring that physicality of play. Truculence. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Yep. (laughs) Yep, That's it. Yep. And (laughs) to have him be so sensitive to this matter, just saying it, that's okay. We Mm -hmm. like, we want you here. Hockey is for you. This sport is for you. I just, I think that that's such an incredible thing because yeah, the NHL gets a lot wrong, but being able to, to have the wherewithal to kind of start to at least turn a little bit in that direction where they aren't trying to gatekeep the sport from anyone is, is a really cool thing. And it was a great night. Um, And again, it just, the, the diversity of hockey fans, the people who love the penguins and support the penguins, seeing so many different types of people who, Oh my gosh, it was just an incredible thing. It was really, really cool. And I'm glad that the, the penguins did it. So let's, let's just turn really quickly to a prospect update. Taylor, is there anything to fill us in on? There is. Uh, so before we talked, uh, our last episode, I think we, we talked about how the four nations tournament was coming up, mm-hmm. which is kind of a precursor to the world junior championship. It's like a, an evaluation tournament for making that final roster. Um, if anyone's borderline. So, I mean, Penguins fans really haven't had a whole lot of reasons to turn into the World Juniors in recent years. Um, I mean, the last uh, guy they had was in 2019, Philip Hollander, in his first stint with the Penguins. 
uh, was a fourth liner for Sweden, didn't even play uh, every game. Well, so, uh, I mean, last year, Blomquist and Klung made it, but they, they were like third goalies they didn't play. Mm-hmm. But Hollander was the last one to play in 2019. Didn't get any points before that. Like, because like I was like, I can't remember any what. Like, before that, it was 2017, Casper Bjorkquist for Finland, and then Philip Gustafsson, who uh, is on Ottawa now um, for Sweden. Mm. So it's been a while, not a whole lot of top guys. I mean, even like Poulet and Legray never made it. Um, they might have three this year. It seems like pretty good. Like three who, who would actually play. Um, so Klung and Blomquist, the goalies who made it last year, um, is as backups. They're both competing for the starting jobs this year, and they have pretty good um, chances. Uh, Klung on Sweden. Um, so he, the Four Nations tournament teams play three games. He started his team's first game. He had an 18 save shutout. Um, so the goalie he's he's com- competing with started the last two games, lost one, won the other. But uh, he, I mean, it, it really I, get, I don't have any sense of who could be the starter. It seems like they're very close. Um, mm. and then Blomquist, he um, he faced a ton of sh- he took the loss in, in his only start. Um, took a ton of shots. Uh, the goalie he's in competition with is in I believe a lower league than he is. Um, he's having a very good season in his, like, actual, in the Finnish league. He's only started four games, but his goals against average is um, 0.5. Like, um, so he went, like, 134 straight minutes without allowing a goal. So uh, he he's competing for Finland's starting job. He didn't start either the last two. He was held out, uh, injury, precaution. Um, it's not, like, a real tournament. It's just an evaluation thing, so they weren't going to mm-hmm. put him in. It was just a precaution. They held him out. So uh, two goalies, and then for Russia, uh, Kirill Tankov, who honestly I think is like one of my favorite prospects to follow. Um, he was the Penguins' like seventh round pick uh, last year. Um, he it, it was his second year of eligibility, so he got passed over his first year. They they took him in the seventh round, but I mean, just watching like the goals, he's he's so skilled. He's he's a bigger mm-hmm. guy, like he's like six two, six three maybe. He's he's pretty big. Uh, moves well very exciting prospect and he um when when they drafted him the penguins called him a winger who can also play center he's so he's only played center this year he's in the russian second league a step up from last year last year he was in the junior league this year he's in the league directly below the khl uh putting up you know good numbers uh playing center in the tournament he centered russia's second line which uh i think bodes well for his chances of making um mm-hmm. the team but i don't know i just like his team uh, that he normally plays for in the in the VHL, they wear like navy blue and orange, and he wears number ninety seven. So like, I a Connor McDavid comparison is like inevitable. <laughs> oh my <laughs> so, gosh, like, bring it on! They're the same player. He's, he's yeah. scoring goals like him, and it's so funny. His um, the junior league team. So he plays for Ska in in Russia. You have you know like the KHL team, the the minor league team, and then the junior team. It's all one the same system and um ska's junior team they they tweet at me all the time like they make memes about him the the best like memes from any pro sports account is like ska's mhl team the junior team but like they make memes like comparing him to Connor mcdavid i make memes send them back so um world juniors this year it's next month in edmonton um so Connor mcdavid is shaking because krill tankoff is coming <laughs> so. he's coming for his number yeah, his title is best player in the league. Yeah, I uh, really exciting prospect, and again, like a seal because the Penguins they haven't had many, you know, high picks. They need these guys to kind of pan out. Yeah. Lucky for for him. So normally, when you draft a player, you only hold their rights for a certain number of years. 
that's only uh, if the league they're being drafted from. There's like a transfer agreement. It's real complicated. Basically, the K- Russia NHL no transfer agreement. So what that means is if you draft a player from Russia, you have their rights forever. So uh, Kirill Tankov, they can leave him over there as long as he needs to develop. Um, he definitely needs to work on his defensive game, but that's um, not surprising. But yeah, he has he has a lot of time, so they can leave him over there. He can develop. He can move up to the KHL. Uh, and they can bring him over, but yeah, Kirill Tankov. Uh, they tanked for Tankov. They got him. Uh, really Beautiful. fun. <laughs> I love awesome. I so love yeah, basically, what I'm taking away from that is we have Russian Connor McDavid in, in our system. So yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Awesome. So then to end the update that everybody I know has been just on the edge of their seats for. So last night, I looked up at one point at the big screen. And I saw a guy in Penguins warm-up jersey, and I think I may have done a quadruple take because I thought, I don't know that person. And then I finally was able to process the name that was next to the player, and it was the name of Zach Aston Reese. <laughs> he shaved all of his facial hair. It is gone. He's unrecognizable. And I think that we just need to do a quick check-in and update <laughs> on the status, the facial. Look at that. What? He doesn't look like, he looks like a completely, because when else have we ever seen him completely clean shaven? Like, Never. why did he do this now? And especially middle of November, I, yeah. what? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I was like that too. I saw him during warm-ups and I was like, who is that? And then I was like, oh my, oh my God, that's that and Reese. Yeah, what? Is he trying to do this so he's like he can score? Is this kind of like a reversal type thing where it's like, oh, you know, got to try everything. Let's shave everything off and maybe I'll like. I, guys I do. I, they do. They do do that. Yeah. You know? Guys do weird stuff like that. Uh, the, the one that comes to mind is uh, Teddy Bluger. Um, uh, was it last season or two seasons ago? So he used to, you know, right now he wears his helmet during warmups. He 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 was like alternating back and forth last season, where he'd wear it during warm-ups, warm-ups for like months, and then like you know the next month he'd put it back on, he'd, he'd take it off. Like I asked him, and I was like, like why did you why are you taking your helmet off in warm-ups now, or why did you put it back on? And he said, when he hasn't been scoring in a while, and he wants you know change things up, like he'll change what he does in warm-ups with a helmet. Um, so I don't know, that could be that. My theory was. Um, so it is November 17th. November 20th is the last time they did Mustache Boy, so they're due. So if if you go into Mustache Boy with a full beard and you lose, like, uh, you're going to have a must- mustache to start, like like Dominic Simone does right now, and, like, a pretty significant one. So my thought was, like, they're due for Mustache Boy. I thought maybe, because sometimes if they have a road trip, mm. they'll do it first. My thought was, like, maybe they do Mustache Boy Wednesday. Or if it's not Wednesday, probably Friday. If you're Aston Reese, like if you're not, if you're, if you worry about, you know, losing in the Mustache Boy shootout, start with a clean slate. Then if you lose, you know, you're not <laughs> starting off with a crazy mustache. So a lot that's of theories. A wonderful theory. Yeah. Yeah. That's like three dimensional. Connecting the dots. <laughs> something. Yeah. Like, wow. Where's the, like where's the uh, what's his face from Always Sunny where he's like. <laughs> the different <laughs> point eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. it makes sense it's the only real explanation because they may, 
I just it looks so weird. It's the, very strange. The guys who had mustache boy this this time like got off easy because everyone has mustaches. Like Dominic Simone probably would have had one anyway. DeSmith was the other mustache boy because he allowed like what three goals in a row um, when they did it. I know he he hates it. Like because the first time we talked after he lost mustache boy, like someone said something bad and he's like oh, he's like oh, I hate it. So um, he's looking forward to. He probably won't carry it out till the end of November. I think whenever his sentence is up in uh, November twentieth, he'll he'll shave. But yeah, somewhat. But I think December probably the worst month to be mustache boy because you're carrying it over from November. Like you're starting with an established mustache if you already had one from November. So um, I don't know. Maybe nice. it's just a smart play by Aston Reese if he wasn't too confident in his shootout abilities because he isn't you know a big shootout guy. <laughs> Yeah, well, there you go. He is unrecognizable. And if you haven't seen it yet, Google it because it is <laughs> something. It's a sight to behold. But thank you for listening. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed to Podcasts on Fifth Ave. Wherever it is you listen to podcasts, keep in touch with us on social media. And we will see you next Thursday for another episode. 